good to be together. Thanks, Jenna. Um, lots of thoughts there to share with one another. I want to share a few more from 2 Corinthians 5. So if you have your Bible and you want to open to 2 Corinthians 5, that would be great. And I just want us to think for a moment because um, as, the, as the four months just keep rolling into the fifth month and then to the sixth month, uh, maybe we have a tendency to, to think that this is like life is now normal, and this isn't normal. I just want to remind us, life is not normal right now. Life as we know it is broken. Uh, so the pandemic has shown that there's things broken in our healthcare system. We weren't prepared for it. That's something that was broken. But I'm really grateful that people are really now busy trying to repair that healthcare system and uh, to take care of us during a time of pandemic. Also, our economy is broken. The pandemic led to uh, a downturn in our economy, and things are broken, and people are being unemployed. And, and again, I think people are trying to figure that out. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to get people employed again? Then through that pandemic and that economic downturn, then we had uh, the brokenness of racial relations. We, we, we're not yet reconciled in our relationship. It's broken. So when things break, who's responsible to fix them? And now Susan and I have an ongoing conversation about things that break at our house. One of the reasons that I'm slow to fix things at my house is that I, that's what I do all day, most days, is I fix things at other people's houses. And so I'm really slow sometimes to fix the things. So she has to be really patient. But bottom line is, when things break at my house, I've got to fix them. So I've got a door that needs to be repaired. And uh, so you can ask me next week if I got that door fixed. So when it, get, when it gets beyond your own household and becomes something global or national, who's responsible for fixing the problems? And so that's where I want us to go today. Just keep that in mind. There's problems. Life is broken right now. Who's going to fix it? And join me as I read these words. Anyone united with Messiah. Anyone in relationship with Jesus gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God put the world square with Himself through Jesus, the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Sometimes when I read a passage like that, I fear that we so spiritualize the Bible that we fail to see, see the real practice of the Scripture in the very real events of life outside of the four walls of a church building. Yes, as we've read this passage, reconciliation includes forgiveness of sins, resulting in human beings being reconciled to God by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's true, yes. Yes, every human being who trusts Jesus and enters into relationship with Him gets a fresh start. That's true. 
There is new creation when the old life dies away and the new life flourishes. All of that is true. But Paul also declares in the same paragraph, all this comes from God. God's the source. He's the initiator of all that comes from reconciliation. God is the one that fixes things when they break. But the connection we sometimes fail to make is God who settled the relationship between us and him then called us to settle relationship with each other. The God who settled things between us has called us to settle relationship with each other. The responsibility of relationships that break falls upon us. Reconciliation is not just the settling of relationship between God and us, but also God's gift to us to settle our relationships with one another. He put the world square with himself through Jesus so that through Jesus, we too could set the world square between us. God forgives us so that we can forgive one another. God has given us a task to do. That task is not just attending church services or Bible studies or reading the Bible or singing or praying. All of those are good practices, but it's not the task that's been assigned to us. Our task is to tell everyone in our generation what God is doing. What is God doing? Well, Paul tells us God is setting the world square with himself through Jesus. He's setting things right. He is correcting the wrongs. He's giving the world, all of humanity, a fresh start by freely offering forgiveness for sins. He's recreating our world in accordance with its original design. We could say he's resurrecting his creation from death into new life. He begins flourishing. We see, his, we see life flourishing again because of him. And finally, God is inviting people who are reconciled to him in Jesus to partner with him in persuading men and women to drop their differences and to join into God's work of making things right between them. I want to pause for a moment. Because my guess is that when I ask that question, what is God doing? This is probably not the answer that jumped into your head. I don't think we talk about these answers enough. So I want to read these statements again. I want you to really listen. What is God doing? He's setting the world square with himself through Jesus. He's setting things right. He's correcting the wrongs. He's giving the world a fresh start by freely offering forgiveness for sins. He's recreating our world in accordance with his original design. He's resurrecting his creation from death into new life. He brings flourishing life to everything. And he's inviting people who are reconciled to him and Jesus to partner with him and persuading men and women to drop their differences and to join into God's work 
of making things right between them. Now let me ask you a few reflective questions. But as I do that, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us to see what's truly in our hearts and in our minds. Come, Holy Spirit. We need your help. We need your counsel. We need you to illuminate the hidden places in our mind. Is this what we truly believe God is doing? Is this our vision of what God is doing in our world today? Are we willing to partner with God to accomplish His desire for our generation? How active are we in persuading others to drop their differences and join God's work of making things right between them? Two of God's servants in the ministry of reconciliation passed into the presence of Jesus on Friday. Both spent their life telling their generation what God was doing. They knew with great conviction that God was setting the world square with His righteousness and justice. They knew God was correcting the wrongs of a nation. They had a dream. They could see a future when God gave everyone a fresh start through the confession and forgiveness of national and personal transgressions. They worked tirelessly in persuading men and women to drop their differences and to partner together with God for making things right between them. NPR wrote of the passing of Reverend C.T. Vivian in this way. The Reverend C.T. Vivian, a jail cell, was about as familiar as a police officer's fist. For his work during the height of the civil rights movement, the minister and activist was arrested more times than he cared to count and suffered several brutal beatings at the hands of officers throughout the South. All the while, he held fast to one principle, quote, in no way would we allow nonviolence to be destroyed by violence. On the steps of the Dallas County Courthouse in 1965, Reverend Vivian's commitment to nonviolence was tested as he faced off with Dallas County Sheriff Jim Clark over the right to vote. Reverend Vivian declared, you can turn your back on me, but you cannot turn your back upon the idea of justice. You can turn your back now, and you can keep the club in your hand, but you cannot beat down justice. We will register to vote, because as citizens of these United States, we have the right to do so. Clark responded to Vivian with a punch in the mouth knocking him to the ground. Vivian did not retaliate physically, but he pulled himself up to his feet, and he kept speaking as the police shoved him aside and ultimately arrested him. In 2013, Reverend Vivian received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and he spoke these words, Do what you can do, and do it well, but always ask this question, is it serving 
people. The second servant of reconciliation who passed on Friday was Reverend John Lewis. Reverend Lewis grew up in rural Alabama where he attended segregated schools, often hiding under the front porch of his home and running to catch the bus so he could get his education and escape the grueling tasks of planting and harvesting crops. As he grew up, sometimes he carried the Bible to school and the future congressman was influenced by the faith and the activism of lay people such as Rosa Parks and clergy like Martin Luther King Jr. Reflecting on the civil rights movement of the 1960s, Reverend Lewis wrote, it was no accident that the movement was led primarily by ministers, not politicians, not presidents, or even community activists, ministers first, who believed they were called to the work of civil rights as an expression of their faith, Religious faith is a powerful connecting force for any group of people who are working towards social change. I would add, especially when that social change is reconciliation, persuading men and women to drop their differences and partner together with God to make things right between them. Like Reverend Vivian, Reverend Lewis received the Presidential Medal of Freedom. We can remember Reverend Lewis from his words of encouragement. He was known to say, Sometimes we have to find a way to get in the way. Sometimes we have to find a way to make a way out of no way. Sometimes we have to find a way to get in trouble. Good trouble. Necessary trouble. And that's what we did. On other occasions he would say, do not get lost in the sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a, of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It's the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in some trouble, necessary trouble. When we commit ourselves to the ministry of reconciliation, as we are encouraged in 2 Corinthians 5 and other places in the Bible, we may make some noise. We may get in good trouble, necessary trouble, when we partner with God in His work of reconciliation in our generation. But is that not the story of our faith recorded for us on the pages of the New Testament? Did not the apostles make some noise and get into some good trouble, necessary trouble. Sadly, as I reflect upon that, the church that I have known most of my life has settled for silence and staying out of trouble, any trouble, even good and necessary trouble. Why, why is that? In tribute to those who in the first century, like Paul, and then those in the 20th century, like Reverend Vivian and Reverend Lewis, I want to read these words of commendation for all who commit themselves to the ministry of reconciliation. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way through great endurance, 
in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are known, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and seeing we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. May these servants of reconciliation rest in peace as new servants rise to the challenges of a new day of partnering with God in persuading men and women to drop their differences and join with God in making things right between them. The question for our community is, will we be those who partner with God in our generation, persuading men and women to drop their differences and join with God in making things right between them? This is what God is doing. Are we doing it with Him?